Back in episode 67, we had our first conversation with this group. In a close community in the Central Valley of California, once long ago founded by the timber industry, there lies a school district that's building one of the most important school experiences that any 12 or 13 year old student in the country will experience this coming year. For those unfamiliar with the jargon, career and technical education is a category of education models in the US. In parts of the country, you know it as VOTEC or vocational technical education that historically has been reserved for high schools, where since the early 80s, the federal government has been funding them through the Carl D. Perkins Vocational and Technical Education Act. Not blue suede shoes, Carl Perkins. He's from Memphis, different guy. This one from Kentucky and one of the most important figures nationally for policy related to education equity in the last 50 years. I'm excited to check in with the principal designers of MadTech in Madera Unified. What excites them about the year to come? And of course, with current events, what has them worried about what should be a celebrated kickoff this coming fall for what they built? together as a community for education. Allison Rocco, who you met in episode 67, is principal at the Madera Technical Exploration Center. She spent 10 years as a classroom teacher and five in administration. Theron Cosgrave is a national consultant who works with educators on a wide range of issues, including project-based learning, curriculum development, school design, leadership development, and strategic planning. And Krista McKenna is the director of College and Career Readiness. Kristen supports teachers in Madera Unified's 25 career pathways and helps build industry partnerships to align with the courses. She manages all of the CTE-specific funding and is responsible for writing new grants as they become available. When you're done listening, head over to facebook.com slash no such thing podcast and check out some of the photos that Allison sent me of the new school. For those of you who like to geek out about the architectural spaces where learning happens, You might love these. This is No Such Thing, a podcast about learning in the digital age. I'm Mark Lesser. Guys, thanks for doing this. I'm really excited to to check in. And um, Theron, you were holding up your uh, birthday, that photo around the time of your birthday. So was, did you have a birthday just before all the quarantine happened? Yes, and I happened to be uh, with the MadTech team uh, doing some training that day, um, the day of my birthday, and they presented me with that, and I looked at them and said, thank you very much, and we had a brief conversation. I said, hey, you know, if and when this all gets shut down, um, you can do planning on your, you know, remotely on your own lessons and that, and they kind of looked at me like, what What do you mean, like? get shut down like what what are you talking about <laughs> and sure uh, enough I uh, think the, the very next week <laughs> yeah the, the following yeah. week um everybody got sent home so well i think it was because your birthday is march 11th right theron yeah yeah it's the same as my mom we our last day alley was march 13th yeah <laughs> i told him that friday you might want to take some stuff with you i'm not sure what next week looks like <laughs> oh Yep. Well, Theron, happy changing daily. Happy thirtieth. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's. I feel like uh, I feel like we're getting to celebrate together. Tell me about the training you were doing. Your, 
uh, over the week of your birthday. Uh, so sounds like first full week of March, you were with the folks from Mad Tech. Um, and man, March, last time we, we talked in the fall. Um, and tell me, where is training in March for Mad Tech? <laughs> Yeah, well, a lot of exciting things have happened since we last spoke. No so um, the other folks can, you know, Allie and Kristen can talk some about recruiting and um, kind of some other developments with the facility and whatnot. But Great. yeah, in terms of, tra- of training, uh, teams are moving right along. Um, they have uh, their, mostly their, their major projects for the year are all uh, scoped out. They are drilling down to a lot of detail on their first couple of projects so a lot of the time in March was uh, focusing in on that. Um, we've also been talking a lot about alignment agreements. So what, what are the agreements that each team is going to um, agree to kind of across the school? Hmm. Um, and then also uh, which kind of decisions lie at the lab team level for, a, for teachers to get on the same page with? So for example, maybe everybody uses um, a similar sort of um, format for a um, for kind of a, a, an exit portfolio. Mm. Um, but um, within lab teams, they're going to have maybe some of their own agreements around um, the tech platform they use or how they decide to deal with uh, you know, late work issues and, and all those sorts of uh, classroom level decisions. Wow. I want to hear more about the alignment agreements. That's fascinating. Um, Kristen, Allison, let's think back to uh, first week in March, last week in February. What were the things at that point that you were really celebrating about the progress you've made this year um, as you're, you're building this new space experience um, hub for the community? Well, right around that time, we were just getting ready to notify students and mail out letters. In fact, it was our last day in-house together was March 13th, and letters were supposed to go out by Friday, March 20th. Hmm. And so it was that very next week that we were notifying students and families and letting them know that they had been accepted to the Mad Tech family and that they were going to be part of our first team of students next year. And so... Um, it was getting all that in line with distancing and we were able to do that and still send out letters on the 20th. And so that was still really exciting that next week as kids kind of were not at school. Um, It gave them something to look forward to and celebrate. And we got a lot of messages on social media um, sharing how excited they were and parents talking about it. So I thought that was a fun celebration during kind of a difficult time for people. That's so exciting. So how many, how many students got letters? We sent, I want to say about 908 letters out. Wow. So it made us feel very official, too, to kind of have a roster of students with names and um, have them kind of know that they're going to be part of that opening team next year. It's incredible. You could point to a name on a list and say, um, this student, you know, this name is uh, is gonna have this experience in the fall? That's that's pretty huge. It was. They, they did a great job with their whole recruiting plan. Um, you know, the school is drawing from three comprehensives and about I don't know five or six uh, K eights, um, 
And they did a roadshow where they went to each of the comprehensive schools and, and then each of the country schools, they explained the program, they uh, answered questions, tried to give students a flavor for what it's going to be like. Wow. And they had a, a, a full list of, uh, of recruits. So they will be fully, fully stocked with students come the fall. Okay. So can, can Allison, Kristen, can you guys give me the pitch as, as if I was a, a student or a family member who came to one of your, uh, the events on the road show? Um, what did it sound like to, to pitch this thing? The reason I ask is because I'm, I'm curious what the narrative looks like now in terms of how you're describing this experience to potential students. So I can talk a little briefly about from the student perspective, um, because I was super impressed with what the team put together for our seventh graders. When they were at the three middle schools, um, the opportunity really presented itself to not just talk to students, but each of the labs created booths where there were hands-on activities, there were you know models like you would see in the lab, there was video, there was stuff they could touch and fill. And the three teachers from the labs really got the students pumped up. And I feel like they really showed students the relationships the teams of teachers planned on having with their students. And mm -hmm. I think Allie and her team were very strategic in that those events with students and every seventh grader saw that, regardless if they were interested or not, happened before the parent nights. So students went home excited and interested and talking to their parents about it which then I think helped to get a higher parent turnout in our evenings where we talked more about logistics. Nice. So was, was um, the recruitment process, um, what decisions did you make about including um, like what students to include? I would assume you got more than 900 and, and what was it? 908 student applications. So we actually had over a thousand applications. We have over a hundred kids on the waiting list right now. Wow. And so if students are notifying us that they can't attend for some reason, um, then we're pulling kids off the wait list. So we actually have a wait list right now, which is exciting. I think the best part about the student recruitment is really each lab thought, what is their experience going to be like on our campus and what of that can we take to them? So for example, the ag lab had a virtual welding machine there and bunnies and um, the robotics, the manufacturing engineering team had one of the robots there that kids could drive with a 3D printer. Our media performing arts lab had, um, they were showing them how they digitally sliced and put together video with music. And so each lab really thought of something creative. Health lab had mannequins where kids could do CPR on the mannequins. Public safety taught kids how to lift a fingerprint. And entrepreneurship and marketing talked a lot about the business side and the marketing side and showing kids the type of um, companies that they're interested in and their marketing strategies. And so, and they had like a little photo booth. So really all of them thought of something really creative and fun to show the students. And at first they were really competitive with each other. And then mm -hmm. they realized we just want kids to pick this school. And so it was interesting how it really transformed right away of just promoting the school and the type of learning kids will experience and not just their own lab. And we met with every seventh grader in the district because we went in through their PE period. And so if 
every time kids went to PE, instead of going to PE that day, they came into the gym at the middle schools um, or we went into classrooms at the K-8s. And so we spoke with every single seventh grader in the district. So the first time we talked, I got the sense that access was a a significant priority. So do you feel like the process with which you accepted applications um, matched the priority to make the access as, as representative of all the different types of learners you had hoped would take advantage of this? Yes, and I'll let Kristen, this was a question that Kristen McKenna got at a conference, so she can speak a little to the diversity on our campus. Um, But we definitely have a diversity, a diversity that reflects our population of Madeira. And then we were able to take on the designated um, English language development at our school, so the ELD, so students didn't have to pick or were able to attend our school even if they were in an ELD class, because currently if the students are second language learners and they're in an ELD class, they don't have an elective because they have to have that designated time. So my team of 18 teachers and I decided to build that time in on our campus for those students so that they wouldn't have to choose between, or they had the choice to come to our school is what I should say, because otherwise they wouldn't have had access. And so we have second language learners, we have students on IEPs, we have um, culturally diverse students, and I feel like it resembles the district. I don't know if Kristen wants to speak to that a little bit more. That'd be great. Yeah, and interestingly enough, um, Ali mentioned we, um, my coordinator and our assistant superintendent presented at the Curriculum and Instruction Steering Committee Conference in Monterey a few months back, um, and it was really about how to build high-quality CTE programs with a focus on our robotics program that um, had won the world last year. Yeah, And EdTech was a part of it. You know, we were talking about our kind of recruitment line into high school pathways and what we're doing before students get into ninth grade. And obviously, Ali's project um, and the school really is a huge piece to that. And the interest in the room around Madera Tech, um, this is a conference that's primarily for county superintendents, mm. district office administrators and leaders, and the interest around Mad Tech was immense. And it was actually one of our own employees that threw me kind of a softball of a question um, because he wanted to see how I responded to the audience around the makeup and the application process for Mad Tech. And we were very intentional, like Ali said, to make sure that typically in our traditional middle schools, our ELD students have to take their designated ELD time and they don't get an elective. Well, now if they go to Mad Tech, they're still getting their designated ELD time, but they're also getting an elective. So we're enhancing the opportunity for those students. Um, as long as the SPED team feels like it's appropriate and Mad Tech can meet the needs of our special education students, those students are included. Um, but it was it was a true lottery system in terms of, you know, we didn't look at GPAs. We didn't look at discipline. We didn't look at anything. We literally put the students' names in a randomizer, um, put their lab choices there, and the kids got in based on that lottery because the goal is that we engage students, that we get students interested, and that maybe we kind of turn around where they are if they're not in a positive space. I am so excited about that. So, so, and, and tell me, tell me if I'm, if I'm, um, you tell me if I'm, if I'm too excited about it, but it strikes me that most CTE programs, um, one of the, 
one of the aspects of the the way that the sort of pendulum has swung around CTE um, in the last decade is um, that we haven't necessarily embraced a, a more inclusive model. And what excites me tremendously is that um, this sort of brings us back to a place where we're thinking about the most innovative learning experiences as being as fundamentally needing to be as open um, and representative as the communities they serve. Um, you don't see that a lot. When 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 you were in Monterey, for example, like is it was that something that that folks were hyped about and and interested in? Yeah, it was. And I feel like a part of it is here in California and, and across the nation under Perkins 5 um, and the new legislation, there's a increased focus on your special population students and making sure that they have access to and are achieving at similar levels as your general ed students. And that's something that we're going to start measuring this year and next year. And for many years to come in CTE. And so there's been this kind of shift to what you were saying of you have to find ways to, you know, get your non-traditional genders in manufacturing. You have to find a way to include your SPED students because they're starting to look at the data. And so although we're a little bit ahead of the game because this was part of the vision of the school three, four years ago when we started discussing it, um, everyone's kind of shifting there. And that's why there was a lot of questions around it. Mm. Um, and I can't say we're perfect in Madera Unified. We've got in some of our high school pathways, there's a lot of honors courses or dual enrollment courses that get college credit. Yeah. And we still have a bit of a gatekeeper mentality, um, depending on counselors or administrators and even our teachers of, but I have honors courses or, but I have dual enrollment courses. We can't. And so we're really spending a lot of time with our teachers around, well, all students have opportunities that student wants to be a teacher in the education pathway, what are the supports that we need to put in place for that student to be successful? And so I feel like that's a conversation that's probably happening not only statewide, but across the nation because of Perkins 5. Okay, so we have to unpack some some uh, some lingo that is going to be unfamiliar to folks who don't know the space of uh, starting with CTE, which is career and technical education, um, but tell me, can, can you give me a quick, uh, difference between first tell me what they are, but difference between ELL and ELD. So English language learner is the student population. Um, ELD is typically the coursework we put them in. Um, but really it's, it's just the support. So English language development, um, is the coursework that we refer to in Madera Unified. Nice. And, and. Perkins 5. So um, so Perkins is a federal grant um, that is available in the U.S. And every state gets an amount that goes to schools to fund. And Perkins 4 is the old legislation that we've been under for the last decade. Perkins 5 changes the way that we're funded with students um, to make sure that we're meeting the needs of all students. And if you're not, or if you're not showing that your data is not showing that you're improving, then funding could be revoked. So, so Perkins five, I like to think of as like, um, the more woke of the Perkins. It's like, uh, we've gotten hip to yeah. the fact that, that, uh, we need to start looking critically at the data, who gets access, who has success, 
um, who is helped to thrive in this uh, in this context. Does that feel like an okay description to you? Absolutely. I feel like what gets measured gets done, right? And so now that they're putting measurement pieces in Perkins 5 around some of these things, it's going to force the hands of everybody to make sure that we're being more inclusive and Um, Perkins is only for career technical education. So it's not for an art class or a general elective class or a music class. It has to be on one of those career technical education areas. Right. So so for folks who are listening who are – maybe you're not in the field of education, but you you fancy yourself an activist, Um, you know, you're – uh, you like to call your legislators and and be that kind of um, active in our democracy. Perkins is a great example of where federal legislation makes its way to local school systems. And um, and when you hear all this rhetoric about, particularly um, in places like the Middle Valley of California or the middle of our country in the in the Midwest, you hear about uh, you know politicians spinning these great narratives about the future of manufacturing or the future of um, skilled labor um, places like uh, Madera tech are the seeds for where all of that comes from. So, so um, in an ideal world, we're seeing a, a beautiful cycle where our federal government has some involvement in making that vision um, come to life and, and, the folks on this call, among many, many, um, are the ones who are charged with uh, realizing that. So, um, and it comes down to some really key decisions that sound like, um, you know, may sound, uh, I don't know, mundane or or sort of too in the weeds. But I actually want to ask you about so the very detail of um, there was this elective requirement for ELLs that stood in the way. Um, tell me about just specifically like what's the mechanic you had to move around in order to make that work? Did you is is the day just longer or or how did you do that? For the designated ELD time, it has to be separate from their learning environment. They have to be grouped by their language fluency level. And so as a team, we had to commit to giving up a certain amount of time every day to not teach any new curriculum while these students were getting what they needed for language development. And so Mm -hmm. what we've decided to do as a whole site is do a literacy focus during that time. Um, our students that should be in the designated ELD will be pulled from classrooms and grouped according to their fluency levels for that focus in fluency, but really all the students in Madera um, suffer in reading and writing and have fluency deficits. And so we will be grouping students that don't need the designated ELD time in fluency levels as well within their own lab to enhance those skills in reading, writing, speaking, and listening. And for our students that are proficient, that would be an area where we could extend learning for them, but we can't that time frame of the day, there can't be any kind of core curriculum delivered. Um, It has to be a time where students are getting spiral review or you're working with them at their level. And so it was a commitment that all 18 teachers made to give up a portion of their curriculum time so that those students can come to our site because Madera Unified only allows students one elective currently. Ideally down the road, we would love to see 
um, a block schedule or a period day schedule where students had two electives. Mm-hmm. But currently working with one elective, that's what we had to do to give access to those students on our site. Got it. Okay, so um, so it sounds like one of the things that's evolved since the last time we talked is it sounds like there, and, and maybe this was part of the plan all along, and I missed the opportunity to ask it the first time we talked earlier this year, but it sounds like one of the things um, that I haven't heard before is is the the nine hundred plus students are going to be s- sort of um, set up in these labs, so. Tell me about the lab structure and um, what does that accomplish, both from a sort of school infrastructure perspective, but also from a uh, student engagement and um, curricular perspective? So we have six labs on campus, manufacturing and engineering, agriculture, health sciences, public safety, entrepreneurship and marketing, media and performing arts. Within those six labs, that career focus is their elective focus taught by a credentialed CTE teacher. You have an English teacher in each of those labs. And then there's two labs that are paired with math, two labs that are paired with science, and two that are paired with social science. So within a lab setting, we'll take public safety, for example, they have English, their public safety CTE course, and social studies. So you have 75 students working with three teachers. So our opening year, we have a 25 to one ratio. Eventually we'll probably grow to a 30 to one ratio of student teacher. And those three teachers have, let's say about two and a half to a three hour block time where they're teaching those three subjects integrated um, through that career lens. Mm. And so they are taking those 75 students and making sure that they're finding ways to connect their curriculum standards. And that's what they spent a lot of time doing at the beginning of the year is not only knowing their standards, but knowing the two other standard areas within their subjects so that they can make authentic choices on how they're integrating these standards to meet Mm -hmm. the needs of students and the interest level. So student interest comes in where they selected one of those six labs that they wanted to hang their hat for learning on. Neat. So I can come in and say, you know, um, well, I, I can come in and say, uh, you know, my my interest is is really in uh, medium performing arts, and um, I have a cousin who's really into that, and so I'm going to try that out. Um, is there an opportunity for them to make choices along the way? Like, if they want to move to another lab, is that a thing that happens? So here's where early exposure was something that Kristen McKenna and Laura Tony were really a part of and Theron. Um, they started a career exploration in sixth grade. So the students in Madera, the first class that we're getting actually started this in sixth grade, where in sixth grade they started exploring, I want to say it's 12 different industries. Kristen, is that correct? That's correct. 12 different industry sectors and the 23 local paths that we offer in Madera Unified. So mm. every sixth grader does that to understand what the industry is And then they get to see it in our high schools with our teachers and our students happening in Madera. And so, you know, every manufacturing pathway can be a little bit different across the street, across the state. Um, What does that look like for Madera Unified at Madera High School or Matilda Torres High School? So every sixth Mm. grade does that. And then in seventh grade, they have an option to do an elective wheel um, where they get a sampling of the six areas that Allie's team offers. So they get just... um, Within a quarter, they learn about two of those areas. So one quarter is public safety and health. The next quarter may be 
ag and um, manufacturing. The next quarter is media and performing arts and entrepreneurship and marketing. So where they get kind of some base level exposure to hopefully pick a lab at MadTech. Now, once they're at MadTech, the opportunity for lab switches will probably be pretty rare. But if after their year at MadTech, they don't like the lab they picked, that's just as important to us as them falling in love with it because they still have an opportunity before they go into a high school pathway to pick something. And so just as they were in health at MadTech, if they didn't like it, they can jump ship to media and performing arts in high school. And so all of these opportunities in the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, we hope will help our students make more informed decisions when they pick one of the 23 high school pathways that we offer. It's it's really insane um, when as we're talking about it, where my mind starts to go is, um, you know, the gap between this ideal that you all are building and the reality for um, for most, right? There's there's a privileged few who get the uh, wonderful opportunity to test test out careers through things like. Um, you know, but but many, even most of them, are actually college aged before they get to try some of these things on and and test them out. And you know, it it begs. I know the an- I know I know how you all would respond to the answer of, don't you think it's insane that we wait until a young person is eighteen or twenty, um, in some cases older, before they're trying some of these things on? Um, but Man, isn't it isn't it brilliant that you all are are building a thing where um, you know exposure? It sounds like in in sixth grade is key, but but some immersion by the time you're in seventh grade feels like just such a powerful thing for that you know idealized vision we've been building as a country for um, for what it can mean to love your work and and contribute something meaningful. It really is. And I will say that our high school teachers do a really good job of putting on a career for every year, too. So even students that maybe selected a course that they're unsure about at Mad Tech, it gets reinforced through the high school career fair where they can see it a little deeper. We plan to do some partnerships with the high school where kids come in and we want to do some things even on our own site where kids can be exposed to the other labs, even the way the building was built, um, all the rooms you can see into from the main hallway or we have garage doors that kind of pretty much open up and flood into the main hallway for learning. And that was intentional Whoa. with the design process so that a student that's in your media and performing arts lab might walk by health sciences and look in at their learning and be really intrigued in what they're doing and ask questions. And so we're hoping that the students are going to talk and share and kind of hype up the lab that they're in to seventh graders coming in to each other in eighth grade and really help find their little niche in high school that really drives their learning. So, Mm. you know, Kristen mentioned as much as we want them to find the lab that they're in love with, it's also Madera Technical Exploration Center because we want them to explore the other labs as well. And so whether that's visually watching other students at their showcase nights, labs doing some crosswork, high school students coming in, we're finding various ways to continue that exposure past seventh grade, even though they've committed to a lab for their year of learning so that they can continue to find really what they love, what they're good at um, and where they want to spend their time. And at the high school level, 
we have a lot of courses that have dual enrollment at the college level, which is such a great thing for our community of kids to get some of that high school credit out of the way free of charge while they're still in high school and get ahead in their learning. Mm. Can you, before I forget to ask, can you share um, some photos or renderings of some of the architectural decisions that have been made um, so that folks can get their their eyes on what some of this looks like? Is that is that something that's shareable at this point? Absolutely. I can send you those images to share with you. Outstanding. Um I am. Uh, I have so many questions for you guys, but but I do need to address all that's gone on in the last month. Um, this has, you know, easily been the um, one of the most complicated three or four weeks, um, certainly in my professional life, but but um, in my personal, you know, in my entire lifetime, I would imagine you all are having similar experiences. And and so flash forward from Theron's birthday week, um, you know, rather than uh, one of the things I, I vowed to do in, in uh, when I started to put shows out after COVID-19 started was um, not to have more conversation that was already familiar to people about um, – about our our sort of common struggle, um, which is real and and difficult, but um, to talk a little bit about how educators are persevering and and what things are are you know whether it's things you're learning and making decisions about that others may learn from, or just um, what are your worries and interests at this moment in time that uh, we might want to voice to a wider audience. Um, either whether it's as therapy or um, in in search of some some answers and responses, um, tell me over the last three weeks what are the the biggest um, concerns about the coming months as it relates to mad tech and and the opening of a brand new extremely innovative model in this country. Um, and and are there opportunities? Are you seeing uh, moments? You know, has has this moment in time made you think about things differently that might actually end up being beneficial? So uh, a couple months ago, when I was working with the team, we did this activity called Project Meltdown, where we uh, looked at six different scenarios that potentially could happen um, to their plans uh, in the middle of a project. So things ranging from students hating the project idea to um, a few of the teams doing well and a few of them uh, not getting along to tech meltdowns and uh, uh, business partner um, uh, going missing in action. And uh, they did a great job thinking about, okay, how do we adapt these plans? And, and it was kind of sobering for folks to think, wow, you're right. You know, we, we made these great um, plans, but they might not actually wind up happening exactly like we anticipated. And now <laughs> that the whole we world, are. yeah, the whole world is dealing with um, uh, a, a meltdown of sorts. Um, I, I think these teams are going to be, uh, I think they're going to be okay. I, they trust each other. I think they, um, 
they have some some lead time here to think ahead about the fall and what would it look like if they need to transition to distance learning. Um, and uh, you know, I, th I think I think there's some uh, some hope uh, for them to uh, pivot and figure out a way to uh, deliver something to students that's that's of value. Theron, too, you had shared a huge resource list with Kristen and I and with the teachers. I will say that education in general right now is really opening up their resources and making access free to teachers or students. Yeah, that is that is one of the things that has uh, excited me the most is I feel like we've moved to a more open, open impact model. And um, I feel like that is uh, a huge yield from this whole thing that has the potential to really change our work. Um, Ali, uh, Kristen, do you guys have what? What are the things? Um, do you have things that are really keeping you up at night? Um, obviously, personally, all of us do. Um, do you have things you're concerned about with respect to uh, Mad Tech that? You just, you know, you, you can't figure out a way, uh, you know, that how it would look in a few months uh, if we're not back in school. There's a lot of hands-on activities that obviously our kids are going to be doing that would look a lot different. But um, speaking first, just to how my team has risen to the challenge in switching to collaborating via technology versus in person, I've been highly impressed with, you know, Zoom meetings are becoming the normal activity at the moment, but the ways that they're keeping school culture alive and staying connected to each other and continuing to work during this time and challenging themselves of what will this look like in August if we are still doing distance learning. Um, and so those are things they're working on and figuring out at the moment. Obviously, distance learning, being able to use the anatomage table and being able to do the welding activities and things like that will have to be adjusted. And so those things will look very different, but I know I have a team of teachers that will rise to the occasion and find a way to make this learning powerful for students. And so that I don't have any doubt in. It'll just, you know, it'll look different if we have to continue with distance learning. You know, this team has really been uh, fostering a spirit of innovation throughout the year. So um, I think a lot of them are looking at this as one more opportunity to think differently about things. And I think that's really exciting. Yeah. Tell me what, what are the things you're most looking forward to outside of that, you know, those doors swinging open and inviting, you know, the first students into this experience. If, if you had, um, let's put it this way. If you had one thing, if each of you could pick one thing that, um, you could invite the world of education and folks who are curious and excited about innovation and education. If you could invite them to one thing about this new design, this new model for, uh, you know, these seventh grade labs, um, what would, what would the one sort of moment you'd bring the camera in for in the fall that you just think is going to really change things for these young people? A couple ideas come to my mind. One is uh, the team has collaboratively planned a basically two-week-long orientation program that 
kind of toggles back and forth between whole school and lab specific activities. And um, I think it's going to feel a little like camp. And I think kids are going to be super excited um, at the end of that two week period. So that'd be one thing. And the other thing would be um, about uh, a couple months in, uh, some of these lab teams are going to start having exhibitions of, of their first project work. And uh, they're going to be inviting community members in, parents, business partners to show off what students have produced. And I think those, um, some of those exhibition events are going to be uh, really rewarding to see. Brilliant. I'd have to agree with there. And I think those relationships that we're going to build those first few weeks, I think one with the current situation we're in, I think the value to collaborating and learning amongst peers um, will kind of be rejuvenated in a sense if kids will be excited to come to school because I think they're missing seeing their friends. And so I think those mm. first two weeks where they're not only building relationships with students that they've known over the years, but meeting new friends and really spending that time to value relationships those first two weeks and then how that will pay off. And I think all the teachers are just excited to have students. They've gone a year without having students and what they're passionate about is working with kids and helping them grow. And so I think that first day of school, seeing my teachers with students for the first time is something I will highly value and I know they will. And then later in the year, of course, those showcase nights where those kids are demonstrating really what they're capable of at the eighth grade level that I think maybe people don't realize how much they're capable of. I'm so excited. To kind of play off what Ali said, um, I agree completely, but I think for me, looking at, you know, the K-12 system of career technical education and college and career readiness that I oversee through my lens is the opportunity for my high school teachers to see what eighth graders are doing in this school and this model and show that, you know, sometimes in our freshman level classes, we don't push our students as hard as we need to. And I feel like when they see what they're doing as eighth graders, it'll allow us to push the rigor in our high school where we can build our students up um, before the junior and senior capstone level um, because our teachers are going to be more aware of what students can achieve. You know, I only know the community in Madera through you all. Um, but uh, I, I do, having followed this project a little bit, feel a, a little bit closer to what's... Um, what's going on, uh, for you guys as a, as a community. And, um, and man, I, I think if, if nothing else, this whole thing is bringing all of us a little closer to each other's experience, which is, a um, maybe not such a bad thing. Um, I'm, I am so excited for these 900 students to get started in the fall. And in the meantime, I'm, I'm wishing you all, um, continued motivation and, and, uh, and all of my, all of the enthusiasm I can possibly shower over you guys as a group. I hope it, um, continues to, you know, your motivation to do the work and to, to make our realization of whatever the fall becomes, um, as amazing as I think, uh, it has the potential to be. I really thank thank you guys so much for checking in. And my hope is that I can coax you back sometime in the summer before opening um, to just 
talk a little bit before before things get started about uh, what our adjustments have been as a, uh, in relation to all that's going on in the world right now. Absolutely, we'd love to. Thank you guys again for your time. We appreciate you having us. Yes, thank you. Thanks, Mark. For more info about advertising with us, sponsoring the show, or if you have story ideas you want to share, find me on Twitter, at M.A. Lesser. The tracks in this podcast were produced by Leroy Tindy, a guest in episode zero, alumni of two bomber nations, Ithaca and the Bronx, New York, and engineer of digital things and fresh beats. Find him on SoundCloud at Air Tindy Beats. No such thing is produced by me, Mark Lesser, a learner like you, and our show notes can be found at nosuchthingpodcast.org.